You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Duck, duck, yeah. duck, 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 great duck. Hello, and welcome to the Slow Ride Podcast. I'm Tim in Orlando, Florida. Hi, I'm Matt in Minneapolis. And I am Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts. Hey guys, do you guys hear that? That's a bell. Barely, what is, what is do you, that? Do you hear that? Oh, it's the bells across the country of Colombia, celebrating the victory of one Carlos Betancourt on stage one of the Vuelta Castilla. Okay. <laughs> that was a, you see the field for that. It was, I think it was mostly uh, cat threes. Wait, are you? <laughs> uh... Oh, so is this the type of episode this podcast has become, little guy? That you're just going to open up and just verbal <laughs> diarrhea all over the gummy bear winning a stage? You know, I was Benton happy Kurt is to back. see him, but He's you got to gotta look down that result sheet and you see a lot no, of like no. lower you stop division, at number one. You stop no. at number one. three regional Spanish teams. That's you stop at number one and his name is Carlos Betancourt and then you celebrate for the rest of the day and then you hope to dear God <laughs> that everyone else just falls off. But you know what? You still got ninth place. Still got ninth place, top ten. He's back, baby. You know, I heard that only happens when you eat the sugar-free gummy bears. <laughs> He's probably been on the sugar-free gummy bears exclusively. So, I would like to thank all of our listeners that tweeted us, that sent us photos, that sent us DMs at the Slow Ride Pod um, to let us know about Betancourt's win at the uh, Vuelta uh, Castilla yeah. y Leon. The feed blew uh, up. <laughs> yeah, it was, pretty, uh, he, it was pretty quite the race. Two years. The Spanish, uh, what, Spanish three-day stage race. And uh, Alejandro Valverde did take the win um, yes. over some very tough competition. Uh, and then uh, Carlos Betancur did his job and finished in ninth place. He was the ever-loving um, domestique. And what was very important about what Betancur did was he gave an interview during the race and he said, I'm not the team leader. I'm here for Valverde. And you know what? Team player all the way. He was a team player the whole way. And the the race leader jersey, if you kind of squint, looks like it's got gummy bears on it. I'm just saying, there's some random geometric shades in pastel colors. It looked like colors. a Map A jersey. It didn't look like gummy bears. It looked like a Map A jersey. Can't I wish? Is it sponsored by Map A? Can I wish? Okay. Yeah, you can wish. If you wish, though, it looks like a bunch of melted gummy bears, and that's morbid. <laughs> I mean, that's so, kind of what Betancourt looks like, though, these days. Like, oh. It's gotten so, even worse than a gummy bear. So I was on a uh, so the Sunday group ride, and yep. um, you know, since Betancourt was on fire, I decided that it would only be appropriate if I wore my Movistar kit, and I was looking uh-huh. pretty good. And I even looked a little bit like Betancur. You can go to my Instagram and you can see as I'm stuffing a muffin into my face. And I barely was able to fit into the, the kit. And that's, I definitely looked, you know, pretty good. Let's just call it the medium good. kit to do you a favor there. <laughs> yeah. And I got to admit, like, it was pretty cool. And I, I felt a lot of pride showing up to the group ride on Sunday with the Movistar kit. But then as we're rolling out, the same guy that was wearing the Vini Frattini kit Mm-hmm. The full kit last time yep, showed up in a full world championship kit. Oh, and it was it, whoa, whoa, but it was the Kiwakowski quick step kit. So I had the black nice. shorts with the white jersey, and Ooh, I, classy. I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, I don't know, I, I, like this is so weird. Like, you I can kind of pull it off. Uh, I don't have a problem with the pro team kits being worn on yeah, a group yeah, ride because like... it's a group ride, whatever. But there's still something. About, about the world a, championship a, a kit? A world championship kit that just... I don't know. I don't think that's okay. Sacred, I don't think so right? either. What if what if you wear the world cha- the matching world championship helmet? 
Is that like that's, just next level? It's way too far. That's, yeah, yeah that's I, insane. I, I, I'm with you, Spencer. Really deep down, I think the only person who can wear the world champion kit is a world champion, and then Lapicard could pull it off. Yeah, that was it. Yes, Cat Four on the track, world champion. Yeah, uh, that was champion. so awesome. Every race. Oh, that was, <laughs> well, it was when great. When, when you that. just own one jersey, I guess you start at the top and you know go from there, right? You work your way down. Yeah. Yep. So. Bettencourt's win definitely a highlight of the uh, the weekend. Really, nothing else happened in professional cycling. So let's yeah, just uh, right much. away get into some um, advice questions that we've got from all of our listeners. And, um, <laughs> okay. The first one that we got uh, DM to us was um, from uh, Tom Haynes, and he says, "Hey, is it cool to be popped for a recreational drug?" Well, it depends on uh, the use of the word <laughs> "cool." Uh, <laughs> You know, we don't have a lot of context in this question yet. Maybe it depends on the audience that you're asking. All right. right. So, sorry, kids. Drugs are bad. A lot of variables here. Yes. Like, no. It is not cool to be popped for a recreational drug. Well. At all. During a race or, like, when you're speeding your Lamborghini and crashing it into a... See, I would think it's cooler. I would think it's cooler that you actually get popped for a recreational drug during a race than putting <laughs> lives at risk when you're driving a Lamborghini at a high rate of speed while you're okay. like so Boone yeah. did it wrong Paulini maybe did it right where do you stand on Jan Ulrich you did it wrong well since he was at the nightclub but he wasn't he was in the Lamborghini he was doing it right and wrong right and he was wrong. just he was just getting through the pain of not being in the professional peloton for kinda his other drug mad, kind of sums up his career <laughs> Just imagine what that late '90s German nightclub scene was like. It yeah, was just just paint a little picture in your mind for a second, visually of what that was like. But it was really nice. So, so the more serious <laughs> question from uh, at Tom Haynes World goes: Hey, at what level bike race can I jettison a bottle without looking like a muppet? And then he followed it up with a, uh, a you know an email that just basically said like. You know, at what point in a in a race can you uh, get rid of your water bottle and not look like a total fool? And I would say that you just shouldn't get rid of your water bottle because it's not really going to help you either way. And the chance yeah. of you messing up and crashing yourself with the water bottle are actually much higher be- as you reach down to grab it and maybe you put your hand inside your crank or something. Yeah. So I used to uh, I used to be a, arm, so. on a. <laughs> I used to be on a bike team uh, back in Minnesota when I first started racing, and we put on the uh, state championship road race. And uh, part of my volunteer duty that I did was oh, yeah. drive around after the race and uh, go around the whole course and pick up all the water bottles that uh, had been jettisoned along the route. And uh, we would probably come up with about 100 bottles. Um, <laughs> and it was it's insane how many bottles there were. And... Uh, I don't know. I remember thinking about it and being like, I'm just some broke kid that's trying to race my bike. And like, these bottles are like $10 a piece and you guys are throwing them away. And I definitely kept many of those bottles. So, so you ever have little guy, have you ever thrown a water bottle during a race? Only when I've been, I had to throw it so I could receive another one. Yes, you didn't like throw it on the side of a field. Like you, you left it like maybe near your car, or right after you, like in the feed zone, you dropped it. Yeah, no, I've never, I've never done that. I once, at one time during, um, I think during the Triple X racing phase of my career. So Uh, right when I was becoming a yeah out of town form, I was in a crit in Indiana, and uh, I totally did the uh, man. The, ra- the sprint is coming in about four laps, so uh, I need to I need to lighten the load. So I took that Tim. empty water bottle and just skidded it across the road. Tim, that probably calls for a DNF. But you usually cannot. It is usually against the rules to oh, throw it's totally against your the rules. bike in a crit. The only right. reason I'm bringing this up now is that the statute of limitations has passed. <laughs> um, okay. And I talked to Derek Bouchard Hall offline, and I said, "Hey, I'm going to make an admission today on the podcast. Please don't relegate me." Uh-huh. Um, from my 31st place to 34th place, which was how many people were in the field. <laughs> yeah. That's really so nice that, of him. So that field sprint went well, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it went really well. It's so, a good thing right. that you got rid of that bottle. Yeah, my my advice to any, any really anyone in any race, uh, even at the professional levels, I don't think the weight of the water bottle 
if that's going to be your saving grace, man, you got to, you know, there's got to be something else, right? Like, there are very few people in this world that that is what's going to make the difference, make or break a win. <laughs> you know, if you're, you if you're ever, going up head to head with Peter Sagan, maybe. If you're I'd trying the, to win no. the Cat 4 race, like maybe uh, don't eat that package of gummy bears, you know, that you've oh, got at home or cut your hair yeah. or something. You'll lose the same amount of weight. I'd say a good time, like the end of Amstel Gold. Yeah, probably get rid of your water bottle last time up the Coburg. Yeah, yeah. End of Flesh Malone this coming Wednesday. Yeah, mm-hmm. get rid of your water bottle. Otherwise, you're probably okay. Yeah. Also, that so, one in the sea tube is going to make your bike more aero anyway. Yeah. That is that. true. So we have, you know, in all seriousness, there's actually a lot of racing that went on this weekend. And there's a lot coming up. And um, first off, you have uh, Megan Garnier taking a win in, what was that, in Portugal for the Uskel Umakin women's race. So she takes the uh, fourth stage win but still finishes 12 seconds down on Emma Johansson of Wiggle High Five for the GC. But pretty cool to see the stars and stripes on the top step of a mm-hmm. major women's race in Europe. And it's always cool to see. I saw some of the highlights in some of the pictures. It was uh, quite, the, uh, quite the victory for Megan Garnier on that final stage. Yeah, awesome. she's awesome. She crushes <laughs> it. She really crushes it. What do you guys it. think of uh, that national championship kit that she's got? I um, I have a tro- I just I always kind of dislike the U.S. kit, no matter what. The, well, it's hard for okay. me. The problem and is... I find it is gaudy. It, <laughs> the U.S. flag is not the easiest thing to work with when no. trying to design a kit. I don't know that there's really any that I... I'm like really, really into, you know what I mean? But what about, okay, so there's different styles though, And this is, this is going to come as a shock maybe to our UK listener, you know, like he probably thinks, you know, all Americans are very gung-ho, but uh, I don't know. So there's, I mean, yeah, our one listener in the UK right now is probably a little confused, but I think that there's two different types of routes you can go with the, the men's and women's national championship kit. You can go the Tyler Hamilton rock racing way, which doesn't look anything like a national championship kit that just happens to have red, white, and blue. Or you can kind of go like the Megan Garnier way, which you know does what they can to embrace the stripes and then also the field of blue. I, I like her kit. I think it's definitely got a little bit of that semi-custom template that you find from every kit manufacturer out there. Yeah. Um, with kind of the blocked out um, bulls, Damon dolmens on the the uh, you know across the chest where it, you know shows the full um, sponsorship label, but the blue shoulders with the red and white stripes, I'm a big fan of it, and I think it's better than even the Levi Leipheimer um, Captain America Astana kit, which is yeah. like the worst possible thing you can do. Yeah, uh, see, I don't know. I think kind of embracing the fact that we have the tackiest flag in the world. Kind of how you gotta go okay i'm it. shocked by this okay. information <laughs> the, the, wait the american flag is the tackiest flag well it's the ta- okay I'm, I there are flags that are I'm triangles sure there's a tackier flag i'm just saying like of 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 nations who anybody cares what? Tread, about tread lightly whoop tread lightly here little guy Anybody cares. I'm just going to be full-on Western colonial. Any, anyone gives a shit about their, their racing, anyone that races for them. Right. Like, so the, the, the tricolor flags topic. really have a leg up. You know, the, the Italy, the Belgium, the France, the Ireland even. Like, those flags, very easy to work with, right? You got three Danish big, bold colors. Nice. Danes, the Finns, the Norwegians even. Good classes. All a lot of stuff you can work with. Yeah. It's just the cross. But yeah, it's nice and minimal. Little Ours guy, is really you're trying busy. to tell me it's busy, but it's nowhere yeah. near as busy as what Dan Craven has to wear. No, at that's every true. Race he enters. <laughs> I think that Olympia I think flag. that is is very, very, very busy, and it's it it doesn't lend itself well to the fact that you're already wearing a busy kit. You got mm-hmm. sponsors on there, mm-hmm. you know. So, so speaking of Dan Craven. Obviously, we're gonna segue this right away into Trobro Leone, where he was the poster boy of yeah. the race did and he even do he, the race he did week? he d- he okay. dnf'd um oh, man with almost his entire team but there was a picture <sighs> there was a picture of the cycling academy team where they have something like they have the israeli national champion the canadian national champion and i i maybe one more and 
Namibian. Then they have well, then they have Craven, <laughs> the Namibian. Yeah. But if you look at the Israeli national champion and the Canadian national champion in the picture, they're like it's a very blocked out kit. Like across the stomach is the Israeli flag, and across the stomach is the Canadian flag. Mm-hmm. But then when it gets to Dan Craven's national championship kit, it's like there's the blue field over one shoulder with the star, and then it's got the red and green sash, and it's like, whoa, that totally doesn't follow the uh, the template that everyone else on the team has. It was pretty uh, well, pretty amazing. He's he's their number one rider. Come on, he gets he gets to decide. Maybe, but that gets us to the you know the actual race results themselves, and he's nowhere near it. And I'm wondering if this is a national tragedy at Trobro Leone, which is quickly becoming a fan favorite. Many people feel that it's uh, it becoming the, Stra- the Strada Bianca of like the new classic. Yeah. Um, they may have to find a way to get Amstel gold off of Trobro's day because Trobro is definitely the race, but it wasn't won by a Frenchman. It was won by Martin Mortensen of One Pro Cycling, who his teammate. Peter Williams of One Pro Cycling of Great Britain got second. It was third yeah. place was the first Frenchman, and that's got to be a tragedy to the French. They can't even win their races no one knows about. I mean, he did kind of surrender in that in that sprint. Uh, you know, he had a lack of urgency and kind of gave up. Um, because uh, Mortensen, I don't know. Did you guys watch this race? Do you see the end of it? Or am I just going to be recounting you're, you're... it? You're if you can recount, uh, okay. because I was I was doing a century. But the, uh, the last lap, well, they <laughs> they come in and they do two circuits, finishing circuits of about four and a half k, five k, something like that. And uh, this dude had attacked and been off the front, kind of solo, uh, dangling for like fifteen seconds in front. Finally got caught right as they're getting the bell uh, for the final lap, and he starts sitting on, and you're kind of like, oh, he's going to get dropped. He may have gotten tailed off a little bit and come back and. Uh, you're just looking at this FDJ guy and this other dude who, who pulled him back, waiting for the FDJ guy to just crush him because he's on the bigger team, right? And uh, it didn't happen. And the bearded guy, who the one pro cycling dude, attacked again and held it off to the line, and it was amazing. And then the chase group caught the FDJ guy and the other dude, and another one pro guy <laughs> won the field sprint, and so they went one two, like it was it was fantastic racing. It was, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat, kind of like, are they going to get caught? Is the chase group going to catch? Blah blah blah, the whole time. It was really well done. Yeah. It was really well. It's timed. the most picturesque race that's out there. I mean, it was eh. great. And you know, I'm sad that Dan from Nam couldn't pull it off, but I'm uh, the bearded legend lives on as uh, as the victor was very well endowed in the beard area. Yeah, like, that's what I was going to say. Like, that was a strong beard for a winner. Yeah. And, I mean, great stuff. I mean, without a doubt. And it was I've, – I've watched some of the videos, and I've watched, like, just snippets and then the pictures. The most picturesque race in the on the pro calendar. Yeah. And you know what's funny is this one pro cycling. It's up there. They really impressed in this race, and I was, I was trying to figure out where we're ever going to see them again. Like – are they going to get any wild card invites? So like, their kits kind of look reminiscent of Quick Step from like three, four years ago, like with the black and light blue. And uh, yeah, I don't know why we keep getting FDJ and uh, well, FDJ is a world tour, but like Cofidis and all these other teams. Um, I kind of want to see wow. this uh, one pro cycling. I want to see a little more of this beard. Like you know why well, you don't see them? Is see- they're British and they're probably they're probably constantly applying to well, they're to, a pro. Uh, they're a pro. To, uh, they're a pro continental team now, right? Yeah. So, but they're play, applying applying to the French races. Hey, let us in, and they're always like, oh, "No, we got we got like a French junior team. We want to do this." Yeah. So, well, I th- I think we may see them more. I mean, this is this is obviously a, a step in the right direction. That Mortensen guy. I mean, the beard game is strong, so he's mm-hmm. definitely going to be getting into like the Red Hook Milan, uh, maybe Red Hook Brooklyn. Uh, you know, he'll be uh, he'll be bringing his A game. Maybe do uh, one of these Red Bull. Um, should we, uh, out there. should we start a uh, a change.org petition to get them in the Tour of California or something? No, because I... <laughs> no. I, no. Okay. I'm not at... Like, yeah, Never congratulations mind. to One Pro Cycling, but I'm not jumping on that bandwagon. I'm all about 
Cycling I'm gonna, Academy. I'm just write this no, down quick. I'm so like, next year when, when you're all on the bandwagon, I can pull this no, back No, I'm not on it. I'm on the bandwagon of Cycling Academy. Let me tell you why. Okay. Cycling Academy, uh-huh. do you know what their Twitter handle is? No. There's, you would think a professional cycling team like Cycling Academy would have like Team Cycling Academy or at Cycling Academy team or whatever, right? No, theirs is Bike Geeks, but it's Bike and then Geeks, all capital letters, with four E's. It's like next level. <laughs> it's like it's like some it's like, guy's personal account that he turned yeah, into yeah, this. Yeah, are you sure that's, that's actually there? <laughs> official. Wait, so that I went to right official <laughs> Twitter account of the UCI Continental Team Cycling Academy. Okay, developing and promoting the next generation of cyclists. And oh, what's this? They even retweeted us. These Fantastic. guys. What? Because well, they know that Dan from Nam is going to be appearing on our podcast at any moment. Mm-hmm. We're just working any on. Moment. Yep. We're working on uh, coordination, but th- this is the team of the future, Cycling Academy team. I like it. There you go. Wow, they, they're a plus in my book now. So, so Trobro Leone, uh, looking good. Uh, the mm-hmm. race is over. I hope that someday we get to go. I know uh, Taylor Jones wants to go really bad of the Kids Don't Follow podcast. Which is also on the um, Wide Angle Podium Network with uh-huh. us and the Crosshairs podcast, which had another great interview with some uh, fast Canadian cyclocrosser um, today. And then you also had the Adam Meyerson's new podcast called The Meyerson Line, and then yeah. the Honest Bicycle Program. So, a bunch yeah. of great podcasts on the Wide Angle Podium. So, you guys should go over to wideanglepodium.com to find out more on how to be a, uh, a supporting member of the podcast. Yep. We could definitely use the help. Get us to Trobar Leon so we can interview the pig. Oh, that, God, that's such a wonderful idea. So the other race that was going on that obviously gets a little bit more um, publicity is the Amstel Gold Race, the 51st running of this uh, classic. I guess we'd call it the start of the Ardennes Classics with Flesh Wallone on Wednesday and, of course, Liege, yep. Bastogne Liege, yep. also, a.k.a. Alejandro Valverde's victory party on Sunday – and Amstel Gold on the world tour. Um, uh-huh. And little guy, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what happened and who the victor was? You know, you guys doubted the power, but Gasparato pulled out a fine victory. I've got to say, came out of his hiding place. <laughs> like He's like a groundhog. <laughs> his hiding place that he went into in 2010. <laughs> he has been, I mean, that was the last time he won, wasn't it? Or it was 2012? 2012, yeah, probably. What teams, he, um, was he, what teams has he been on um, over the years? He's, he's got to be on Christina Watches or something, right? Like, no, there's got to no. be a, no, he didn't fall that on far. big teams. Yeah. He was on Astana. He was on, uh, he was on Liquid Gas for a while. I don't remember yeah. what else. I, this is the smallest team he's been on. Yeah. Did you watch the... Some on the team. So anyway, um, what so, happened? Yeah, Gasparato uh, crushed everybody up the last climb, got away with some random uh, Tinkoff rider who I'd never heard of, but looking at his uh, his uh, results from the past, he definitely he won the U23 uh, Liege Best on Liege a couple of times. Mm. So okay. it's not completely crazy that this dude is up there, but I was definitely like quickly trying to figure out who he was while watching yeah. it. Um, and then uh, Sonny Colbert or whatever, random, uh, also kind of weird, small Italian dude that pops up once a year, pipped a field sprint, which huh. was kind of nice. So a strange little Italian sandwich. I you liked know, it. You know, what I liked best... It was a fun race. Not only Gasparato coming back into form uh, after a four- or five-year hiatus. That, no, that was he's, great. he's had... Res- he. Wait, no, 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 let's remember last week on this show when I, I talked about a little race on Wednesday yeah. and you guys were like, ah, stupid, nobody cares. It was a very fine race and Gasparato <laughs> got second. So well, he's been in some fine form the if you, last If you're not week. first, you're last, little guy. And oh. so it sounds like he's been last and first in the last week. So whatever. But what I wanted to say is that as great as it is to see Gasparato come back into the limelight, how great was it to see Wanty Group get the win at a big yeah. major race like that? Uh, nice. Just such a short time after tragedy struck their team, like that was really so, cool. It was. I it think was that cool. was. It was a double. He gave win. a good interview. He gave a nice like interview afterwards, and you know, 
definitely spoke to that, that yeah dedicating the win well i think it was for the team in general so i was on a um a ride the sunday morning ride and it became one of those uh i mean it happens to all of us where it's like kind of that accidental century ride where you get home and you're at like 96 yeah. miles and you're like oh man i'll go do the extra four miles just to get the the hundred and um we're at a cafe about you know 60 miles into the ride and i was just checking my phone real quick and all i saw was wanty wins amsel gold i didn't know it was gasparato i didn't even know he was on that team and to be honest i didn't even know he existed Man. And <laughs> I was like, man, podcast? I was like, Wanty, that's pretty awesome. That's really cool for them to win. Like, they needed that. And they've been, like, all over the front doing all types of cool stuff in the races. Like, they've actually been animating beyond what you would expect of a wild card team. So it's been pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been it was good. It's been great. Yeah. I, I have a, f- a few things I really like from this race. One, obviously, I hope you guys agree with me. If not, we can't be friends anymore. The attack by Wellens, oh yeah, that eight k out whatever almost pulled it off. That was beautiful. That's another reason why he's one of my favorite riders out there. Yeah, um, that was awesome. And he still, I think, finished like tenth or something. So he yeah. was still able to cling on to the group up the climb uh, and hang on for a decent result. He looked dejected after the finish, but that was awesome. But I gotta say, what was really cool was like toward the end of the race, I saw both Set Van Mark and uh Heyman uh up there doing work for their team which yeah, is saw- pretty cool a week after Paris-Roubaix those guys are still out there and those guys were there at the end of a hilly classic when guys like Kwiatowski and Gilbert and I feel like there's a few other big name guys like Dumoulin got dropped early there were some big name riders that didn't have it and then you had some like big Paris-Roubaix riders who were still there crushing it at the end yeah. All, the only um, coverage of the race I saw was Cosmo Catalano's How the Race Was Won, and he pointed that out. He did a good job of showing, um, you know, like, oh, here's Matthew Heyman on the front of the Eureka Green Edge chase, yeah. and you're just like, wow, didn't he just win? Um, yeah. What struck me in the results, though, was Cocard uh, getting fourth oh, place. That was beautiful. You're right. You're right. Getting, getting awesome. fourth place, and all I could think of was like, man, he could have went to Trobro Leone and probably won. No, all I could think about was the <laughs> fact that this was like the second or third time this year that he's pit Michael Matthews for a field sprint. Yeah. Like oh, right yeah. after the finishers. And Matt, like Matthews has to be looking around <laughs> thinking, I've got this. Like he's come in the line with a bunch of like climbery dudes. He's like, I got this field sprint. And then a little sneaky Brian Cocart pips him so, again. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> so can I? Oh, it's so nice. Can I tell you a, a little uh, story that happened to me on Saturday night? And uh, this is. God's honest truth. I I like was having a nightmare. I woke okay. up at four in the four in four in the morning, like kind of like just woke up my eyes and I like because I was dreaming. I I don't know if I would say it's a nightmare, but it was definitely a dream. Um, and I was like, oh no, thank God, it's just a dream. The dream was that Movistar signed TJ Van Garter into a contract <laughs> and, I, and I had to discover a way it, it was just announced on like a Sunday mm-hmm. and I had less than 24 hours before we were recording the podcast to come up with a rationale for why all of a sudden <laughs> I'm a big TJ Van Garter fan and uh-huh. defend myself from like the horrible personal attacks you guys were throwing at me mm-hmm. about being a total homer for now just being the biggest TJ Van Garter fan on the um, face of the earth that would have been tough. That would have been really tough. Yeah. But it could Maybe. still happen. Yeah. I don't think so. I think he's gonna <laughs> he's gotta be with a team with a more of an American focus. I don't I think they'd eat him alive on Movistar. They'd be, oh, okay. within a within a week they'd be they'd be like he'd defaming be, him in the press and just like I can't take this yeah, guy. He'd be busting seams like the gummy bear, it'd just be all downhill. <laughs> Can you imagine like imagine a team that has a guy like Valverde? Who anytime they're like, uh, we've got a bike race this weekend, we need somebody in Belverde's like, boom, jumps on the bus. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do this. Rain it. I don't care. I'll do it. I don't care. Yeah. And then TJ would be like, well, what's the weather forecast? I what's don't the know. barometric pressure? Anyway, because I was I, thinking about that little guy. Like I wanted to tell the story. It was just because of the fact that when I mentioned Brian Cocard, you were just so excited because of the fact that someone pipped. Pipped Michael Matthews. I was super happy the, about that at the finish line. Like 
that is your least favorite cyclist, and well, it's just kind of endearing. I mean, I dislike him, and I have to admit he's a good rider, especially for these like amp style and stuff. And and it it pained me going into the final, thinking seeing that large group coming up that he might mm-hmm. win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it made me cheer even more than I already cheered for Gasparato and. Uh, guy whose name i don't even remember i can't even remember the guy's name that's stupid he didn't have a name. um he didn't have a name well no. we're gonna have to learn his name because it seems like he he comes with a pretty good like u23 career and he started to get some decent results hey, obviously so you keep saying this u23 thing we need to segue this into the real american hope of cycling logan owen who won oh, the yeah. liege best go. only age u23 race because we see all the tweets about T.J. Uh, Van Garderen being the next American hope. I think it's Logan Owen. Maybe he's going to be the first American to win a a, a, a monument of, of such important nature beyond Tyler Hamilton's victory yeah, okay. at Liege. Best only Liege. So, I mean, <laughs> I think he, he could be the guy that wins, um, you know, maybe Roubaix. Because it, it's like, I love Logan Owen. I think it's great. He kicks ass. He takes a flyer. Wins by 45 seconds over some BMC development guys. Um, but his teammate did get third. But that's a that's a huge win for Logan Owen and yeah, the uh, Hoggins-Bergman team at the U23 um, Liege, best on Liege. Yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, was you, you guys seen video of that? Is there a video that actually exists of that? I have no, but we can, maybe we can recreate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can. Tim, you're going to be here uh, in a couple of days. Maybe that can be a right. project that we can work on. Oh, I like that. I like that idea. Do, do you guys think... <laughs> we, ha- we haven't talked yet about the mechanical doping story. Uh-huh. We obviously will talk about it, but... Yeah, at some point. Do you, th- do you think... Well, I'm talking right now, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to talk I, more about doping. No, I just wanted to say one thing is that... I had a theory, and I, and I know we, people come to this show for wild accusations and rumors straight from the source, that there was a lot of big-name riders who had an off day right after this doping, mechanical doping story came out. And it seemed a little suspicious to me, the number of big-name riders who were getting dropped pretty far out. Do you guys have a feeling, like, wa- just watching the race, I was feeling like, ooh, do I have to, do I have to think weird thoughts about Kwiatkowski now? Do I have to think weird thoughts about Gilbert? Like I, you know, he has an excuse, but whatever. Like, do I have to think weird things about Dumoulin? I mean, like, yeah, uh, you could go a lot of different ways, and there's a lot to talk about. So, you know, we can. Whoa! Oh, out from nowhere! It's the frame lap. Oh, oh no! Man, we can't. Oh man, it just can come out of nowhere. When when this happens, you just have to stop everything, and you're like, man, what's going? What's up for the preems this week? And I'll tell you what's up for the preems this week. It's the Grand Fondo New York once again on May fifteenth, twenty sixteen, from the George Washington Bridge. Tell Good me more. <laughs> hey, keep talking. I'll keep talking. All I got to tell you is that when you enter, you get a free jersey and you get a bottle of wine. That's all I need for a good time. And I think you get more than that, Tim. Don't sell it short, though. Tim, I think wait, you get you more. Get, you get, you get a lot, but I think I think the biggest thing is that you get a start corral position because it's actually like a race. So mm-hmm. you've got four thousand people that start, and then if you're a cat three or above and you're an active racer, you get a special start corral spot up front, so you're not stuck with all the Freds in the That's back. Pretty sweet. So, Tim, when you get your jersey and your bottle of wine, do you are you then required to ride the? The Grand Fondo, or can you just go back to your hotel room and have a good time? Oh, that's a good point. You could probably... I don't think that anyone's chasing you down to, like, make sure that you show up. But, uh-huh. I mean... Uh, I mean, that, that may be what I have to do. That, that seems good worth idea. it right there, yeah. You bring your bike, you get some photos taken near the start line, and then you you put them on your Facebook, and you go uh, get sloshed in the hotel. So, this is a pretty good idea. Now, the problem is I think it's chip time. So this is how they keep mm. you from um, doing the old, uh, you know, what was it, Rosie <laughs> uh, Perez Boston Marathon uh, win where you take the subway to the final, like, mile, and then you pop out, and you're like, I'm here. <laughs> and like, yeah. So the Grand Fondo New York, it's a 100-mile race. And then for the little guy, you have the 50-mile uh, um, version. Nice. And uh, 
You go mm -hmm. up the Palisades uh, next to the Hudson, all the way up Bear Mountain, turn around and you race back. They have uh, full neutral support, other great things. They have a full expo. Um, this race is a race. This sounds um, awesome. Tim, if we do this next year, <coughs> let me rephrase that. When we do this next year, all three of us, yes. Oh yeah. Can we can we all start together in the same spot on the start line so we can ride this Grand Fondo together as 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 a team as ah. team slow ride? Mm. See, ah. I heard it was by age category, Spencer. That's how you get. Oh. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. So, but I'm a cat so 3. You and me and so would be right next to each other, but Tim would be back in the 50 plus field. That's true. He does <laughs> have the titanium bike. That's going to bump him back at least 10 years. Wait, but could I move up to be near you, my friends? No, no, no. There is no moving up. You can move back. So you'd have so you to, guys you'd could have to move be back. really nice so you guys, to us. You guys could move to, back to be with me. You'd have to ask us really nicely if we'd come back and start next to you. Oh. You know, well, I might just well, cash well, in my cat three license. Is that, yes, we can all start together. Well, even in, start even together. if we're in different age groups, it's going to be okay. They've got rules but, for that. They've I've only one everything. person asked nicely. I'm going through this FAQ, and they've literally thought of everything. Everything I was worried about is is this, is answered. Roads are closed. It, like this is great. Everything's great. so. This is the Grand Fondo World Championship, and roads are closed. Looks like a uh, pretty wait, cool wait. event. This well, is the World Championship for Grand Fondo. No, this is like the granddaddy of them all. Well, this maybe is the biggest one. This is the big maybe. one. This is their biggest one by far. Um, they shut down the George Washington Bridge. I don't think that can be understated. Um, so when we do it next year, guys, um, we will be there. But you can still do it this year, May 15th, 2016. But here's what we need. When you go do it, you need to do what we instruct. And that is you have to wave at all of your fellow spandex clown suit wearing nerds. Every single one you pass. Now, there's different waves you can do. But we definitely expect you to do the old motorcycle 45-degree uh, kind of wave when you're passing I think that's a good uh, stipulation to have, Tim. Good job. Hey, this is Mo Bruno Roy, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. And, uh, Tim, so, I, Tim, I with, think you won that preem lap. Oh, crushed it. I, I crushed the preem. That reminds me, the best ever preem I ever won, guys, Yeah. I still have the prize. Ten mm -hmm. years ago, at like the Fox River Criterium in uh, Chicago, I won a Planet Bike Pump. Again, <laughs> still, out of town form. Still Throwing works. bottles, winning preems. Still works. Now, the dial's a little bit off by like 10, 20 PSI. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Uh, okay. St still a great pump. <laughs> So. You you so train guy, you and talking... race and pump your tires by feel, right? It's all by feel, bread yeah. and water. Well, yeah, you like... know the bar the it, the bars <laughs> the bars are still like I go for eight bars, but I'm probably only getting six. You know what I do works. when pumping my tires is I go by perceived perceived exertion. So it's it's kind of a more of an <laughs> old school training method, but uh, you know mm. you just get to a you get to a feel like a resistance, and you're like, yeah, that's it, that's my sweet spot, and uh, you just. Yeah, go with that. For for a while, this Planet Bike Pump, I've become the master of the one-armed pump because I have yeah. to still hold the valve on with the uh, with one hand, and then I've got the right hand. Too so many like, jokes. Yeah, that's that's weird because that's the same thing I have to do with my giant pump that I also won ten years ago. Guys are killing uh, me. Uh, you know what's funny is the race I won that giant pump on was a race that I flatted my tubular. And and I and I didn't bring pit wheels, so I had to ride a flat tubular home carrying a pump. That's pretty great. I like kind that. of ironic, don't you think? Ah. So now, little guy, you were talking about obviously the the biggest story of the week, not Amstel Gold, not Bettencourt's win. We're talking about the um, the new doping, mechanical doping story. And I was over at DougReport.com reading some streamlined news. And what's great about Doug, DougReport.com <laughs> is, that, is that it uh, puts you into uh, – I've learned so many different websites besides CyclingNews.com that you're like, holy crap, mm -hmm. great stuff. Uh -huh. What now, have you learned about? 
What's we up? don't care. He hasn't what learned anything. Have you learned if we know anything, we know Tim hasn't learned much. But there was some uh, French, what was it, French TV or Italian TV or a combination of both? It was French TV at Italian races. And you okay. know they did that just because DeMar got shit for winning Milan San Remo. <laughs> They're like, we're going to go film dope motors and we were going to do it at Paris Nice, but fuck them. We're going to Italy. We're going to film it at their races and we're going to accuse them of cheating. That. Now that is a conspiracy theory I can get behind, little guy. That That's, makes it's sense. Fucking to true. Me. Those people, yeah. those countries hate each other. Yeah. So, so the report comes out that uh, they were driving along the side of the races uh, on TV motorcycles with TV cameras that were not TV cameras. They were heat sensing cameras that were disguised as TV cameras, and that they tried that they picked up extra heat in the bikes where motors might be, and uh, but they didn't. Really go into specifics beyond that, um, like who yeah, the riders like, were or or anything, you know. There's a lot of variables that... Uh, okay. Yeah. It's maybe okay. not all scientific. These, all these French... Like, every time the the French do a thing every every summer about how Froome was cheating because somebody saw something weird one time near him, it just always feels like a UFO special. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it does, but but here's the thing. This is the most brilliant way to catch a mechanical doping. Like, it is the simple, like, it's a visual. It's like they have, like, the only thing that could have made it better is if the guy on the motorcycle looked like Predator. And then he could be <laughs> on the motorcycle, and you're like, like, oh, who's the Predator guy? And he's got the heat vision, and then that's how they're going to be able to tell who's got the, the motor on the bike. Yeah, like, it, it might, might tip some people off. Yeah, this is the most well, brilliant so way to go about in it. Light, in light of all this uh, uh, report coming out, uh, Cycling Tips, which has been on top of the game lately as far as oh, uh, yes, news stories, they uh, retweeted, republished, whatever. Um, hey, kind of waved their arm in, in the air and on Twitter and were like, hey, we uh, wrote a story about this like four months ago where uh, we interviewed Greg Lamond and he had a six-point plan, basically, on how to how to eliminate motorized doping. And uh, I think it would be kind of fun to go through um, all six of those points and see if the UCI is doing any of those things and uh, and whether or not they're good ideas or whether or not they're batshit crazy LeMond ideas so, because he has both. You know what I mean? He definitely now, has both. Do you have right, the, roll, roll us do you, through it, yeah. Yeah, do you have the yeah. six ideas right there, Spencer? I do, I do. Okay, um, okay, okay. So the first the first suggestion that he has of the six is take it seriously. Which is pretty straightforward, like right? It. Like I would say the I would say the UCI has done a decent job of taking it seriously. I think they've taken the right the first steps, for mm-hmm. sure. Well they're admitting that it's a thing. They're they're I don't least, they've got scanners, they're scanning bikes. But I, the I would, scanners the scanners, you know, like this report begins to question on well, if the scanners actually can pick up some well, of this, like, but the, the that's thermal. But that's not what this point is about. This point is about, are they taking it seriously? Yes, no. Are we, are we in agreement they are? Sounds like yeah, they are. Yeah, I, okay. I, I think we're in agreement. So. All right. Yeah. So, check one, Lamond. Good job. Uh, number two, and this one could be controversial. I know Tim's on board, though. Ban bike changes. I think I was more on board than Tim was. I think Tim was into it. Yes, they need a bike. They need a ban bike changes for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No more well, uh, changing yeah. to the climbing bike at the base of the mountain kind of thing. Yeah. No. Can't. All right. Sorry, Contador. Uh, are they doing this? Is the UCI going to do this? Do you think this is coming down the pipe? Even if it if it needs to happen, no. is it going? No, to because happen? it's impossible. Yeah. I th- I I think the way to do it. The only way they're going to be able to get away with it is if they limit the amount of bikes and they RFID the the bikes. Like they put a, they're like, okay, only two bikes per rider are allowed on a race course. Yeah, I think that would be fair. Yeah, I think sixteen bikes per team or whatever, you know, and then that's what they're limited to. Yeah, I can't. But you know, that's going to be tough considering the number of manufacturers that sponsor teams currently. Oh, there's so there's so much that we can continue with. Okay, so what what are more, Spencer? So the third point is uh, kind of piggybacks on that, but it's uh, tag the bikes and sequester them after the finish line. So, you know, throw some sort of UCI seal on the bike, you know, to, to show that it's not tampered with and, 
and set it aside somewhere uh, secure to test it after the stage race or after the so, race ends. So this one, it looks like they were trying to do, but then the whole like video report, mm-hmm. they show Contador's mechanic like in the tent, like taking like fiddling with his watch and then like moving out the bottom bracket, and it's very very shady. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the, the, this is, I don't think they can do it. This is a solution. I, this is a solid suggestion. I don't suggestion. think they can do it. I don't think they have the infrastructure to pull that off. Look, yeah. what, what, what would they use? They can't keep they racers from running they, into the curb. They just, need <laughs> like a, they just need a jail, a bike jail at the finish line, right? Like, they just is need that a like cage. a bike corral? Is it like yeah. a bike corral? Something that people can't get into, you know? Well, the, the thing is all the teams are going to want to know that it's actually secure you know mm-hmm. and that somebody can't get in and and, and change something or so you just need like shit. a chain link uh 10 I, by 10 box no. that you throw the bike in and it's see-through you know like you can see through the fence and see that nobody's messing with the bike something well, Spencer, like, like first a, off first like off you're not gonna throw like those bikes back. you're not gonna throw those bikes you're gonna place them in there and i just think this is one of Le Mans, <laughs> uh this is one of Le Mans, uh bad shit crazy idea it's just well okay happen. This yeah. this goes against everything I've ever I've ever believed and we've ever believed on the show, but maybe podium bikes. Like if the, po- if the <laughs> top three here. guys, where's no, little no, no. guy and what have you whoa, done with him? Listen to me. The top three guys come across the line. They have to bring their bikes with them into that little Sporza tent, and then mm-hmm. they have to bring them to the podium. <laughs> and then they're filmed maybe. the entire time. So those bikes maybe. are literally. Like maybe that's the best chance they, we have for those bikes not getting out of anyone's view and the teams uh-huh. being comfortable with the situation. So what, right, if, what, what if when they come across the line, they just uh, French police just slap a handcuff on one wrist and slap the other one over the top tube of the bike, and you're just chained to the bike until they scan it. I don't think anyone's going to be into that. <laughs> I think podium <laughs> well, bikes is maybe a little more friendly, a little more like uh, right, what's. Yeah. Well, the UCI is obviously not doing anything on this regard. Uh, they maybe sort of half-assedly tried. It is something they need to figure out. Uh, I think no, they don't. They can Lamont's just check real quick. Here. They can just check on the finish line, like after the bikes come across. But it's not the bikes crossing the finish line that are the problem. It's no. true. It's the bikes that are on the car that are right now has, in someone's like barn on the side of the road. Conjecture until we find more bikes with motors. Uh, yeah, but, so number four is use uh, special scanners and equipment. Uh, yeah, it's pretty okay. obvious yeah. they're doing that. Next. Uh, number five, focus on all possible areas of mechanical fraud, not just the bottom bracket area. Uh, True. So wheels, everything so, else. So yeah. this goes hand in hand with that report, which they show the, uh, they show the image, and there's like a lot of heat coming from the rear hub. And then they're like, well, that's just the friction of an overpacked hub. And then, like, of course, someone on Twitter is like, yeah, that goes hand in hand with all those ceramic bearings you've been trying to sell us about. Like, in the- yeah. I mean, here's, here's the thing about the heat things, though. Like, for things like the wheels, like, have, we have no context. Has anyone ever seen a heat image of a hub, like, in no. a race? No. Yeah, ever. I have no idea how so hot it, a hub gets. It's, so it's like the most out of context thing ever. You're like, look, there's a lot of heat doping. And you're like, well, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe there is a lot of heat generated in there. It's true. You know? Could be. Anyway. But good idea by Lamont to not just focus on a bottom bracket mounted motor. It could be a front wheel motor. It could be a rear wheel motor. It could be a rim based something. I don't know oh, how. Man. It could be I all kinds of stuff. People are using front wheel motors and just fucking themselves up trying to go around corners fast. Well, we power yeah. out of it. Um,. And then the sixth and final one, which I think is immensely important and the UCI has done zero on, is have clear and stringent penalties. They don't even know what they do. if They, they caught Femke back at, at uh, UCI World Cyclocross Championships, and they still didn't know what they were going to charge or, or penalize her yeah. with. And she just kind Isn't of retired just, and nothing has happened. So that's another good months? idea. I thought they had it laid. A, a no, she she later. retired. I thought it was well, going to be two no, years. No, I know she retired, but everybody. Nobody retired. knows what it's, it's going to be. That's see, this is what here's, what it, here's well, what it needs to be. Here's what I don't think that's anything different than like we don't know what it means if somebody gets busted for anything. They never know. Two years. But yeah. Well, it needs to be eight. Saying no one ever gets two years though. Well, they can appeal up and down, but there needs to be something on the books that's like if you get caught with a motor, it's a five year suspension or ten year, a lifetime or what. I don't care what it is. 
It should be the same as... No, I care. It should be the same as an EPO positive. Four years. Because doping is doping. Yeah. It should just be doping. I just don't want the... I don't want the six-month ban. I don't want there to be the six-month ban. Or like they start getting in the gray water of... Now, see, the issue... What if they get in the the gray area of like, oh, well, you know, the battery was only at 60%, so it's okay. The issue that we come up with is EPO doping, drug doping, blood doping, the kind of stuff we're used to, the passe kind of doping, um, can usually be done by... An individual and a team can pretty well be like, oh, hey, we didn't know anything. Even if they did, there's a, you know, they can play that card pretty easily. With mechanical doping, it's probably much more involved, like up and down, all mechanics must know, uh, and so forth. So there needs to be clear penalties as far as the team, the mechanics, everyone involved, like what kind of fines, what kind of whatever. Um, you know, and they really need to spell that out and put the fear of God into people so that they don't do this because people are still doing EPO. We've been banning them for two years forever. So, Did you guys watch yeah, this funny. video at all? I know it was in French, but did you watch any of it? I haven't seen it yet, no. I meant to, but I haven't cha- like, had a chance. It's, it's pretty amazing, the video that they've captured of Contador's mechanic. If I was one of these riders, I would be freaking out because... They have on video seven riders that there's definitely some kind of uh, something going on. And then Contador's mechanic with the watch and the what way that the watch, watch. So, like, apparently the watch can control, like, the wheel motor. So, like, there's different oh, types of motors, right? Okay. There's the ones that go in the bottom brackets. And then there's yeah. the ones that can go in the hub that has, like, some kind of magnet that then can be, like, set from some EMP pulse or something from a watch. So if you're the mechanic that's in the team car that's right next to you up the mountain, you can press it and it will like give you a little burst of speed. Oh, okay, okay. That then you attack in the Juro, and then the next day after your bike gets caught, you're getting dropped by Nairo because Nairo is the man. Well, yep. Like so, after so... he his bike got inspected, two days later, guess who's not on the front anymore? Contador. It's well, kind of shady. Your conspiracies can go either which way, you know. And maybe Nairo, uh, maybe his uh, batteries just ran out the day before or something. Um, but uh, you know what his battery is? His mother's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> unlike unlike Bencar, his mother's cooking is like a bag of weight. <laughs> it's like a bag of like 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 old. Old barbells that he found in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so Lamont's on to something. UCI needs definitely. to step up their game. Like, it's, if this is going to be an issue, or even if it's not an issue, they need to squash it. As in, they need to show everybody that there's no possible way that this is an issue, or they need to uncover a whole bunch of uh, mechanical dopers. Either way, something needs to happen, right? That's yeah. right. It's hey, a weird um, thing. Wait, so wait, 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 back it up, back it up. Did you guys feel weird watching Amstel then? That was my initial question on this subject. Watching Amstel and watching riders who you thought would be there getting dropped, my thought was, oh, they all have motors in their bikes most of the time, and now they don't have them today. <laughs> and that's why we're seeing, like, like that podium is kind of, Gasparato's has obviously won it twice. But he's kind of a he's kind of a disappearing man, and he can't seem to get on a big team. You kind of had like some smaller riders performing when you had a lot of big name riders. Not doesn't I don't know, little guy. I think that that's a good question. I think the the fear to me is that there are that many riders that were using the doping. Like it's that widespread. Like it doesn't yeah. shock me that there's motors and bikes, right? Like that's I've accepted, and it's probably gone back for a while. But it's such a risky thing to do that I think that doping, like blood doping, there's only maybe, what, two, three people that have to know that you're doing it. Where, like, mechanic doping, there's the person that built the motor. There's the person that installs it. There's the multiple, like, mechanics that get the bike away at the right time. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. man. And that's, like, the worst kind of cheating. That's, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's yeah. next level. Okay, I, don't, I didn't see... Who you're thinking about who got dropped or not in that race. Kiyokoski in particular, he had a big uh cobblestone classics uh campaign. 
I that's think true. May have uh, that, reduced you, you his. Know, the more um, I thought but, about that, I felt like I was making excuses for him all. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, I know but, what you're uh, saying. I, I, th- I, I thought, thought it was a doubt. big. There was a big pack that went that got to the bottom of the Coburg uh, there for yeah. Amstel. I I didn't. I only caught so the end of the is. race, the last ten k or so. But uh, I thought it was. It looked normal from my point of view, but I didn't see who was going backwards earlier and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. No, I know what you're saying. It's a there's, good theory. There's always reasons. It's just weird. Now we, now we can talk about motor doping. And like, here's the thing: we're going to be talking about motor doping for the next like hundred episodes of this podcast. So cool. we can get to that. But we did get a um, question from professional cyclist and international Twitter sensation Dan Chabanoff. Okay. Interesting. And he was like, hey, was listening to the pod and the talk of bike material determining what rider you, you are was interesting to me. And he's referencing when you, Spencer, were asking me when I said, <laughs> hey, am I a roadie or a cross rider? And you're like, well, which bike's titanium? And I said, the road bike. And he said, well, you're a roadie. Yeah. So he says, my cross bike is steel, my road bike is aluminum, and my mountain bike is carbon. Based on this, what am I? I'll take my answer on air, please. So, interesting. This is a good question, and I guess that it seems like backwards to me. Like steel road bike, aluminum, steel um, cross bike. Yeah, sorry, steel cross bike. That makes sense. Aluminum mountain or road bike, and then a carbon mountain bike. It seems like those seem backwards to me. So, um, well, see, there's obviously few, not a track rider. Yeah, not a track rider. So maybe not going to win Red Hook anytime soon. Um, I don't. Day. I don't. I don't even know if he's heard of Red Hook actually, so I probably shouldn't give him that much credit. Um, but here's here's what I would say is uh, he left out some important details. I would be. I would based on yeah. what he said. I'd be like, well, you're a mountain biker, and you're definitely not a roadie because nobody wants an aluminum road bike, right? But but he left out the importantest detail, which is his steel cross bike was made by Richard Socks. Well, he's, I think an even more important detail is that it was made by Socks and he's sponsored by Socks. So. Well, it doesn't that that whatever. I'll I'll do anything in this human world to get a Socks cross bike. Well, so. no, I'm saying I'm saying obviously anyone. I'm saying you could be a full dyed in the wool like I only ride Carmen, and then you're like, man, I got I got to get a I got to get a sponsor for Cross. You could be like, but I only want a carbon bike, and then Richard Socks comes knocking. You're gonna be like, well, screw carbon. I mean, maybe, but people have left that team and gone to bi- gone to teams with carbon bikes. Yeah, but it's probably not because of the carbon bike. No, it's probably because because Richard Sox was like, "I don't like you. You're out of here. <laughs> You're done. You're cut." I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah. All I all I can really discern from this is that he's not a roadie. All I can discern from this is that he's faster than all of us combined. I want to know. I don't know. I don't think that's true. I think if the three of us stood on each other's shoulders and wore a trench coat and got on a bike, we'd be Dan. What if we had a triple tandem? Yeah, we'd and we did like a dude. like a sprint, like a, a thousand meter, you know, straight from a standing start sprint. That would be literally the scariest fucking thing we ever did. The three of yeah. us. I don't even care who's right. I wouldn't even feel comfortable if I was the one. So in the lead, wait, who would be the driver? So who would be the driver we, of that? Well, as as fans of the pod will know we uh once qualified for track nationals in the team sprint the three of us as a team uh because yeah. there were three spots available and two teams racing um yeah but we still and really but good. we earned it we little, earned it. little guy i think you were the no tim was the starter tim was no, the I starter was... because i started too fast for tim so i had to be yeah. the second rider <laughs> So I yeah, and you, could, and you couldn't last so two. So Tim laps. was the starter, <laughs> little guy was the second, and then I was the closer. Would that be the same order that we lined up on a triple tandem to race Dan Chevanov? No, in a sprint no, that's race? totally yeah. different because that would require me handling. Yeah, Tim in control the whole time. Plus, we want to put Tim <laughs> okay. in the back because those elbows. I think his <laughs> wide elbows will be less of an aerodynamic problem towards. So it'd be the back like a, a like a spoiler on a drag racing yeah. car. Like it would be yeah, downforce gonna, from the yeah, elbows. Yeah, it's going to downforce because otherwise we're going to lift because we're going to be okay. so powerful. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. So watch out, so, man. I can't the wait to start only on. thinking about. Tim's Somebody find us a triple tandem. We're going to race Dan Chabanov. 
One on mano, a mano, a mano, a mano. A mano. As long as there's uh, no hills, because he'll destroy us. If there's one even teeny hill, the three of us are so screwed on. And then, and Dan, <laughs> whatever bike you show up on, that's the kind of rider you are. Yeah. You bring your cross bike because you think that you can beat us on a cross bike, then you're a cross racer. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's where we solve it. I hope his like aluminum bike is like a 15 year old Fuji, and that <laughs> and his and his carbon and his carbon mountain bike is like. Oh, I, don't know I hope it's one of the treks with the uh, aluminum uh, with the lugs, uh, lugs, the lugs, and the carbon oh. tubes. Man, oh, yeah. See, because he's he left out a lot of details. He could, you know, you just say I ride a carbon bike, and people think immediately of something newer. But ah. yeah, he could he could have had like a Vitus mountain bike from 1985. Or something. <laughs> That thing could be held together, I've, basically, I think with, those, like, spit at this point. Yeah, those have imploded at this point, all of them. Hey, you sent me that Rossine, that carbon Rossine thing on eBay a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, and you didn't buy it, did you? I did not, of course. I yeah, because you're it. a smarter man than you look. <laughs> no, I'm just a poorer man than I look. Yeah. So uh, I, want, I wanted it, trust me. It's pretty stupid. Now, I hate to hijack this, guys, but we oh, need yeah. to give a special shout-out to Emily Griswold, a.k.a. At- Spaz McSpazzy. Now, of course, she's our Nashville listener that went to seek out high E um, bicycle componentry at 1247 School Lane in Nashville, uh-huh. where we thought maybe there's a monorail in the back from their old uh, brochure that little guy found at the National Mountain Bike Museum online records. And um, so she <laughs> went there. Uh, she She had to drive there. This is so she was in Nashville, lives there apparently, and goes to this neighborhood, which is right near the airport. Um, mm-hmm. Perfect location for a monorail. Mm-hmm. Lots of woods. And she sent us some pictures of 1247 um, School Lane. It's a uh, nice, hilly subdivision. It's got some uh, lots of trees. Definitely some room for some monorails back there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, no, no hubs. There wasn't like a hub Christmas tree. There wasn't like a... Uh, um, you know, some spokes that were made into a sculpture hanging from the light post or anything. But, uh, yeah, so we have a we, we have a listener that actually went to a 1247 School Lane, like little guy asked them to do. And, Thank uh, you. That is amazing, yeah. Yeah, And these Great spot stuff. shots are fantastic. Um, we're going we're gonna to have to dig, dig a little deeper into this one because this, this mystery yeah. is only getting deeper. Like, we know it's there, so... Yeah. Where is Give it, it up, Heidi. Where is it? We're on to you. Now, and it should be noted that... And if it's not, where did it go? Wait, guys, it gets a little bit better. Oh. One day later, after she took pictures of the um, 1247 school lane, mm-hmm. Emily posted and tweeted us that she got 16th place at the Cedar Hill Criterio oh. in Nashville, Tennessee. So there you go. I want to that. believe. This is this is the grainy photo. This is our Sasquatch photo. Yeah. Oh I, man, yes. the dots are starting to to connect here. This is uh, this is really getting X Files. Oh my god, lots of great stuff. So, you know, the uh, the podcast keeps going along. We have listeners all over that are asking us all types of great questions, and um, you know, keep them coming. You can always email us at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail dot com. Tell us your stories. We had a good one uh, this week when. Um, uh, Rick from the Bike Doctor emailed us and said, "Hey, I had my very first podium bike experience this weekend." Uh oh. And and before I opened the picture, I was like, "Oh, great! This guy won a race, and he put his bike on the podium with him and took a picture to send it to us." But no, it was much better than that. In much that, better. <laughs> in that he got third place, and it was two teammates that got first and second, and they brought their podium bike up to the front. And this guy, our our man, Rick, is just geeking out without a podium bike with the goofiest smile on his face, just totally sitting there the whole time going, oh my god, I'm up here with a podium bike. And then that's what he wrote in his uh, his email to us. He's like, the whole time I was just thinking that you guys could just rip these guys apart for us. <laughs> and of course, the podium bike, what a horrible, hor- yeah. horrible podium. So Rick, pure class. Well, Especially because it's backlit. You can't even see what the bike is. Yeah, anyway. no, well, I, I can't tell what the, this bike is at all. It's what just I a can random tell, piece of carbon. What yeah. I can tell from this photo is that second place is wearing an aero helmet on the podium, <laughs> yes, which is, is strike number one. Um, and strike number two, I mean, 
Let's just put let's just put them on blast. IS Corps. Uh, I know they're based in the Wisconsin Chicago kind of area. Uh, let's <laughs> let's think twice about the podium bike next time, okay, guys? Thanks. Well, one, it takes say, one team at a time. We're just gonna take it Rick, one team at a time. Work. We're going to put this um, picture up on our website. Go to the slowridepodcast.com. This will be the main picture that you'll see. This is from Rick. Uh, and Rick <laughs> is pure class in third place. He's got his hands behind his... Uh, <laughs> he know, is not celebrating him. this podium bike he, at all. <laughs> he is just looking like, like a guy that is kind of happy that he got his first third place, but he's sitting there the whole time just going... Oh my God! I never thought just it would happen it. to me. I never thought it would happen to me, and <laughs> it, everybody it just makes you feel. Does. It makes oh, it just it's that beautiful. made my day Go when I got out. that. That's the kind of stuff that uh, that we love to see in our email uh, in our email uh, box. So that's true. We'd like to thank for that. Um, we did get a review on a podcast uh, last week on iTunes, and we'd like to thank really old punk. He said, "Hey." I failed by giving this five stars. And then you're like, what? And then you read more. I previously gave the Slow Ride Podcast a five-star rating. By doing so, I did a disservice to the host for not giving them room for growth. This podcast <laughs> has become a behemoth in the world of fat bike info with a sprinkling of road bike action to boot. It's true. Tim, Spencer, and Matt have become an amazing force in the world of bike broadcasts. Thanks, guys, for taking the Slow Ride Podcast to 11 stars. Absolutely doing a close listen. They might and be. with that, we'd like to thank you to listen for listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. It's always a pleasure. And do us a favor. Wave at all your fellow cyclists whenever you see them out there on the road. Yep. We'd like to thank BK1 of Rhyme Series Entertainment for the intro and outro music. We'd like to thank our friends at the WideAnglePodium.com for the support that they have provided us. And all of our supporting members um, have supported a great group of uh, podcasts. Yeah. And if, and you're, if you're like uh, old old crusty punk or whatever the name was there in the review and uh this show has brought you uh, any joy in your life uh consider uh consider donating consider supporting us and all the other shows on the network it would uh, be a huge help to us hey this this three tandem bike or this three person tandem is not going to buy itself yeah it's going to be cheap <laughs> help us <laughs> help us work together Wait, we could just get a tandem and then get little guy a trail bike so it is a three-wheel bike, but I mean, it could work. <laughs> nice. You guys, speaking of fat bikes, George Hincapie. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. You've never seen George Hidden Gappy and a fat bike in the same room at the same time.